We're going to be in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11 this morning. I really hate when you get just even a little bit under the weather. It like throws everything off as far as your uh, your rhythms. It throws everything off uh, in terms of, of your, your daily uh, schedules. Uh, and to couple that with my own uh, uh, final that's coming up in Hebrew, uh, uh, this message is, is it's, it's going to be a God thing if it comes out correctly. <laughs> so please just go with it um, a little bit. Um, we're going to be in Philippians 3, 11, or 3, excuse me, Philippians 1, 3 through 11. Let's read together. This is Paul saying, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine. For you, uh, for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. For or it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart and you are all partakers of me with, uh, uh, with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and be so, or so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word. Um, if you come to my house and you happen to go in my basement, I, I've apparently uh, lost track of you. Uh, and if you, anyways, if you come down and see it, you'll see this gigantic unfinished project. Um, uh, Jen, my wife decided that for her birthday, she wanted a new exercise room. And so I had half the basement already finished. And so I put down flooring and, and we moved in her, uh, exercise equipment in there and, you know, the elliptical and the stationary bike are all in there. It looks real nice. And with the, with the exception of, uh, one of the cats ruining a carpet, which I threw out yesterday, um, it, it's somewhat done it's done that side is done but she also for christmas wanted the laundry room done as well so i've been spending copious amounts of time framing and i'm starting the installation process since in you know a month or so i'll probably do the drywalling and all that goes with that but it's this constant unfinished project in fact you come to our house at all there's and maybe your house is the same way there's always these unfinished projects things we've started things that just haven't started whatever things that are on a list somewhere they're unfinished when we read this morning we read this beautiful word from paul to the philippian church and it it actually has a sense of this great deal of love but at the same time he's acknowledging that they are an unfinished project that they're not complete yet but unlike when spouses get irritated with, with, with the other spouse because projects remain undone and, and the other spouse goes, well, it'll get done when it gets done. And, that, and that's usually not for a, a decent enough excuse. Um, Paul seems to acknowledge something here that gives them encouragement that the project that God has started in them will be completed at some point. What I notice most importantly in this particular passage is this pastoral care that Paul has. 
He starts off with, I thank my God for in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for all making my prayers with joy. This is a sense like he goes into his time with the Lord and he's just remembering. He's like, yeah, Ephesus is cool. Corinthians has got issues. Uh, uh, the Church of Corinth has got problems. Uh, I got to deal with Titus and Timothy. Oh, the Philippians. Oh. And suddenly his mind may be flooded with these beautiful images of these people he genuinely loves and cares for. And it's like he's saying, all of my thoughts and prayers for you just spring up just joy. I don't get a sense of, 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 of anger or issues I have to deal with. All I think about is all of the smiles that it gives me when I think of you. And I really relate to this. Me, personally, as a, as a pastor, when I think of you, that's how I think of you. I think of all the joys and the smiles you all give me from our times when we have Bible studies together or our times eating donuts early in the morning on a Sunday, uh, talking about all of our, uh, our issues. And not just the stuff that makes us smile, but the stuff that makes us cry also. And the sharing of our sicknesses and our burdens and our joys and our new births. All of these things cause me joy. And I think that God has orchestrated and begun this beautiful thing in us that he wants to see to completion. But it's not like an unfinished home project where it is a source of anger and irritation and resentment, but it is a source of, oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. When I think of you all, it's a cause for joy. You are all my partners in the gospel just as much as I'm a pastor meant to serve the gospel. But I also notice that Paul is sending this word of encouragement to the Philippian church and other churches along the way, because I think this is one of those letters that would go to the intended place and then it would just get passed along and along and along. So it's somewhat generalized. But Paul sends the churches words of encouragement regarding their own spiritual progress and sees the completion of the journey uh, as something that will occur on the day of Jesus. There's a sense in the early church that Jesus' return was going to be within their lifetime. He went away and he says, I'll be back. And we, they believed him at 100%. They're like, well, he rose from the dead, so I imagine he's coming back. And, and we sure hope that it's going to be within our lifetime. So when Paul says, listen, I know that your journey and you're wondering where you are spiritually and you're wondering how you're doing spiritual in your progress uh, and becoming more and more like him. Don't worry. This project started in you will come to completion at the day of Jesus. And in their minds, that's like next Tuesday. You know, and so they're all just jazzed. They're like, great, because I don't want to have to carry this burden of myself much longer. I want to be made whole again. So Paul tells them that God's completion of their spiritual journeys, like he says, is right around the corner. And that gives them hope. It gives them this ability to go, okay, every new day is a step towards completion. And when I will be made right, and that all of these ills and pains and sufferings and, and personal problems that I'm dealing with and aches and pains, all of this stuff, will, that project will be complete and we can just enjoy it. In the same way we can enjoy, well, enjoy the laundry room is not really words that I would, you know, put together, but the fact that it will be a completed project and not full of dust and, and things will be a great thing. But spiritually speaking, Paul's looking forward to a time when their progress will be complete. And while this completion of their Christ-formity uh, uh, Christ or Christoformity is in the future, he does point out some clear indicators that they're on the right path. 
I think anybody who starts down this Jesus way, this whole new way of being human, this whole new way of living life exactly like Jesus did, uh, we all want to know, am I doing it right? Am I on the right path? What are the indicators that, that you know, we're actually journeying in the right direction? When you go hiking in the, uh, in the mountains, uh, many times people have been very kind uh, to put up what they call cairns. Now, cairn is just another fancy word for a pile of rocks. And these little pile of rocks that start off a little, uh, they put a big one, then a little lower one, a little one, look like little tiny uh, weird looking pyramid things. And people put them along the trail to show you where you're going. So if you see this cairn and you go, okay, I'm on the right, I'm on the right path. I know where I'm headed. In a sense, there are these indicators that they are becoming more and more like Jesus. And here they are. He says he hopes that they have this super overabundant love. He says this love is this overflowing love. But it's not like a fountain where it's just gushing everywhere. But it's intentional. It has purpose. It has direction. It's much more like a river rather than a pool. But it's also a love that perceives and knows what's best what each person needs. Now, we often talk about love in the sense that it's just some sort of ethereal ooey-gooeyness, you know, that we all should have and, and, you know, get around a campfire and sing kumbaya sort of feeling. But that's not biblical love. Love here is a, something that's perceiving the need in somebody else and giving it to them based upon the value you see in them. It's a love that is based upon God's love for us. It perceives and knows best what that person needs and then uses that knowledge and provides them for exactly what they need at that right time. We've done this before in the past where we've been able to put together these homeless kits, do you remember? And we would put them together and we would do them per season. Now, we wouldn't create one that had a hot meal and all that kind of stuff and hand warmers and all these things for summer. Now, the intention would be good, but the ethical use of that would not be so good. It would it'd be kind of wrong. Here's a wool blanket on a hot day. Now, again, it's in the right direction, but it's just not what you need. And real super abounding love is one that has knowledge and knows how to use it in the right scope. But also, to be a person who's becoming more and more like Jesus is a life of purity and blamelessness. The life that is being transformed into the image of Jesus is one that takes on this inner quality that Jesus had, a pure mind and a pure spirit. Oftentimes we think that, oh, if we're just loving, and that's enough. But love and holiness go hand in hand. They are not diametrically opposed. And so there's this idea that we need to become more and more pure in our thoughts, in our intentions, in our, our thoughts, and, and how we perceive people. But not only that, but that our lives would be actually transformed more into the image of Jesus and how he actually walked. And living out an honorable and appropriate life in, in those sort of ways. This is Paul's prayer for the Philippian church and all the other churches who received this letter. He wants them, this good work that God started in them, uh, to have the super overflowing abundant love with knowledge and, and, and ethical tact and also to be pure and blameless and that the fruit of all of this is Jesus being formed within them. So that when people see them, they go, man, they, he looks a lot like that Jesus guy. He really reflects everything that Jesus was and is. So you may be asking, well, what's the point of this for us, though? I mean, we're certainly not in Philippians time. We're not in first century A.D. We're not in second century. We're, we're like 21st century, 
in the future with iPhones and all this other weird stuff. We are way ahead in a sense uh, in the future and yet Jesus hasn't come back yet. So what does this all mean for you and I? Here's what I'd say. I think Paul is even communicating to us through his letter here that the work of God to form us into the image of Jesus will be completed at some point. God has begun a work in each and every one of you. Every one of you. The Lord of, of, of creation has done a work in you and has started something in you and is going to complete it. You are not an unfinished basement project of God. You are on his priority list. You know, at home we have this, uh, the basement is priority at the, probably at the moment, but then we also want to build a fire pit in the backyard, and then we also want to do like 800 other things, and there's a priority list of that. Well, there is no other priority other than you in God's economy, and God is working on you. See, there's precedent. God completes his work. If you look at creation... Six days, he does, all, does it all, and on the seventh day, he rested. Why? Because he was done. He got it done. It's complete. It is finished. He could put his feet up for a day, or however long that was, and just relax, because he know he'd created platypuses and mountains and streams and, and weird-looking bugs. You know, he had done all these things, and it was done. He completed the work that he had started. We also can look at Jesus' own work on the cross. Jesus says, telestai, the Greek word for it is finished. And when Jesus comes out of the grave, it says, he's like saying, now we're really done. Not just done, 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 done. We are, oh, that sounded funny. Sorry, in my own brain, it sounded really funny. So in redemption, so in creation and in redemption, Jesus says it is finished, it is done, it's completed, completed. And now we're waiting for culmination or the ultimate completion of all of redemptive history. When Jesus comes and makes all things new, and wipes away the stain of sin and death from the entire creation, and we will see him as he, as he is, and he will redeem us and make us more than we are. So we can trust that God will do, do in us and complete our, uh, the work he began in us. But something I want you to keep in mind is that God's work is his work, not necessarily yours. There's something he has done in you and birthed in you and called you to trust in. But let me just tell you, and you may be getting frustrated with this in your own life, but formation into looking like Jesus is a lifetime process. It is slow. I always marvel at, at some churches that they have a, we have a discipleship program. Oh, good. It's just kind of like one of those work training things where I go learn about OSHA or HIPAA or something along those lines. And I go in and I learn all about it. And then I come out and ta-da, I know what I'm talking about. That's not the way of becoming like Jesus. The way of Jesus is a lifetime process. It is slow and irritating and frustrating, especially when we are honest about our own progress. But that's the way of God. God is slow when he builds trees, and he's slow when he reforms souls. But we are his craftsmanship, as it says in Ephesians 2. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And it is a slow process. Just trust the process. It's his work in you. The flip side of that, though, doesn't mean we just sit in a, a, a you know, community circle and, and, like I said, sing kumbaya or just go stand on the roof and wait for Jesus to come. It doesn't mean that we're passive in what we do. 
we actually have to, uh, God gives us a part to play. I remember in the movie Karate Kid where Daniel has to go and, and, and has to uh, um, uh, go to Mr. Miyagi and Mr. Miyagi's promised to teach him karate so he can defend himself at the tournament. And uh, he gets there ready to learn how to, to be a karate practitioner. And uh, the first thing he does is, I want you to wax the cars, right? Wax on, wax off. And Daniel doesn't know at this moment that, that he's being trained. All he knows is that he's been given a chore. You okay, I have to do like it. No, 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 like this, like this. Not like this, or side to side, or, or, but in a circle. And this kind of a circle, and this kind of a circle. One side, one side. There's, there's meaning, and there's purpose to it, but Daniel doesn't know, but he has a, a, he has a, a part to play. In the same way, formation and becoming more and more like Jesus uh, is very much like this, where God says, do this. In community, we come and we worship. And we go, well, why? Why do I have to be here on a Sunday morning? Because God is forming in you. God is using this time to make you more like Jesus. Well, okay, well, how, if I treat my wife better, that's a formation thing. You become more and more like Jesus. Yes, sometimes the wax on, wax off sort of mentality doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But as we remember in the movie, eventually he's like, show me wax on, wax off. And suddenly he was able to block the punches. He was able to show uh, you know, a proper defense against an uh, uh, you know, incoming attack. Eventually, slowly but surely, we become more and more like Jesus. And we find that as we've spent more time with him and we act more like him and we begin to do the things he did, we start looking a lot more like Jesus. Now, we're not perfect, but man, we sure start looking like him. Like I said, formation is God's gentle method of slowly but surely forming us into the image of Jesus through spiritual and physical changes of habit over a lifetime. We don't just start loving our enemies or stop lying or watching too much YouTube. Our efforts on our own will leave us in failure. But he does partner with us as long as we trust in his ways and do what he says that we will be changed. So what's our response? Well, I ripped this off from uh, Pastor John Mark Comer, who uh, um, runs a church in uh, Portland, Oregon which is one of the most progressive and weird cities in all of the nation. And it just stuck with me so well. Now, if you want a bigger treatise on this, I invite you to look at his podcast, which I'll share with you guys on our WhatsApp chat. Um, but here's what he says, and I agree with him 100%. God completes his work in us as we spend more time with him. When we spend more time with God in prayer and silence and solitude and reading of the word when we spend time with him uh, in community with one another Jesus begins to complete the process of formation in us our first order of business is to order our lives in such a way that we can spend regular time with God if we want to be more like Jesus we have to be with Jesus my good friend Kevin whom you've all met he's come and preached before uh, uh, he's one of my best friends of all time uh, I have learned to become more like Jesus because I hung out with Kevin. Because he hangs out with Jesus all the time. And so when I hang out with him, I learn the rhythms of how he does these things. And then I become more and more like Jesus because he's more like Jesus because he spends time with Jesus. So the one I want, I spend time with Jesus. And then I come hang out with you. You go, well, Jake does a certain thing a certain way. He's acting more like Jesus. Then I'll become more like Jesus. Do you see where I'm going here? 
We've got to spend time with Jesus. So if we're going to become more and more like him, we have to be with him. And most of you, I would say, do this on a regular basis. But just in case you've let it slip, it's okay. There are seasons of our growth where, where it, sometimes it's rainforest and, and jungle time and we're just growing like crazy. Other times it's a desert and it's hard pack and clay and cracked ground and we don't know when the last time we've had a spiritual drink. Let me just say this. Let me recommend this to you. Every day, find 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be when you first wake up. Please don't let anybody fool you. There is nothing extra spiritual about being uh, by doing this early in the morning, except if you're me, and then that's just the way it goes. But what I'm saying is that find 10 minutes. A quiet place. Steal yourself away. And sit alone in a quiet space with God. If we trust what the psalmist says, that where can I go from your presence, then we can believe that when you seclude yourself for just those 10 minutes, God is already there with you. You don't have to drum him up. You don't have to do an incantation or, or you know, put on a weird you know, mask and dance around in a circle. God is already there. But sit with him in breath prayer. You know, I've taught you this before. You are here and I am with you. Just an acknowledgement. You are here and I am with you. Even now when I pray that, I get the sense that God is with me in this moment. Just 10 minutes. I think we all can find 10 minutes a day to do that. Or we can say, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. That's it. No deep study, no list of prayer requests, none of that. Just quiet 10 minutes and do that for a year or two. Seriously. Do that just for a year or two and see what happens. That's when we begin to spend more and more time with Jesus. Secondly, become like Jesus. As we spend more and more time with him in silence and solitude and prayer and scriptures, doing the things the way Jesus did them and taking on his practices that we find in the Gospels, we become more and more like him. We find that there are aspects of our lives that just begin to fall off. Now, I'm no longer as worried as I used to be. Not to say that I'm not always worried, but just to say I'm not as angry as I used to be because I've been spending time with Jesus and he's making me more and more like him. And then lastly, do the things that Jesus did. Now this one admittedly is a little more of a challenge for us because this is a seasonal thing. This is a change that occurs in us after we spent lots of time with him and we become more and more like him. We want to start doing the things that he did. There's a whole list of things that we could be doing that are the things he did. But here's what I'd say, and I learned this one yesterday. I'm going to try my hardest to put this into practice, and I challenge you to in the coming year. It's this. Jesus spent time with sinners. Jesus spent time with people who didn't believe like he did, who weren't like him, and were completely the opposite side of the fence of him. So I'm going to challenge you that maybe it's possible your neighbors are not those kind of folks, are not church folk. And that's okay. God loves them just the same. But I'm going to challenge you. I'm challenging me to do is this. Once a month, let's invite these folks to our house just for dinner and drinks and conversation. Just opening our home is doing exactly what Jesus did. If we do that, not only will our, our fellowship with other people grow and they'll get to see Jesus because Jesus is in you. You've been spending time with him. You're more like him. You'll see Jesus. 
they may become Jesus' followers and learn how to become human like he was the most human of all, the best human ever. And maybe they'll become like him as well. And maybe they'll come join our church. Maybe they'll join another church. Who knows? But all I know is that we'll become partners in the same way that the Philippians became partners in the gospel with Paul because they spent time with Jesus. So your challenge in this next year is to make that a monthly habit. That's my challenge too. So hold my feet to the fire. And if I come at you going, you can't talk to me, I'm God's anointed, you can just feel free to slap me across the face as well. Listen, the reason why Paul was super excited and joyful about the Philippian church is not because they had grand buildings, and it is not because they had the most awesome programs, but simply because they were partners with Paul in the gospel and were becoming more and more like Jesus. The reason why I get excited when I think of you all is because you are all becoming more like Jesus. Let's take a few moments this morning as we prepare our hearts for uh, communion.